Hi, this is Brett Hansen again, and thank you for joining me on The Teacher's Promise. If you were expecting to hear a wonderful discussion with Stephen Jacobson, please return next week when we actually share his show. Many schools are on vacation for Thanksgiving, and I didn't want anyone to miss out on his wonderful story. So this week I'll be starting a monthly installment in which I focus on an important educational issue. And this time, we'll explore how we can become mini-champions for some of our most needful students. And I promise, I'll go first. I recently listened to a Sunday read story called Young and Homeless in Rural America by Samantha Shapiro. As soon as I saw the title, I felt disappointed. Not in our school system, the state or federal government, or even my county's handling of the problem, but in myself. You see, I recently experienced a professional setback, which I allowed to weigh me down for a few days. I know, poor me. And soon afterward, I felt the common urge to complain and criticize and justify. But one of the good things about getting older is how our experiences actually change us. Humility really does teach us more than accomplishment. As I listened to Ms. Shapiro's reporting on homeless rural students, I thought about my students, who miss a lot of school and don't seem to shower as often as I perhaps think they should, and will offer what I'd call excuses for not completing their reading homework. I mean, I send them with a book, right? I also contemplated my homelessness as a teenager and how it interrupted my schooling and how I never would have graduated without my champion. Ms. Shapiro focuses her reporting on a spectacular educator named Sandra Plantz, who lives and mentors homeless kids through her school in rural Ohio. She fell into her role as a homeless student liaison, but embraced it diligently. It's an honor to share her name with you today. I'm not really able to tell you much about her, but don't worry, I'll be inviting her onto the show so we can hopefully hear more of her inspiring story. But first, some background information. Although unintentional, schools often become the only place rural homeless students and their families can find help. Before 1987, what's sometimes referred to as the homeless industrial complex focused, with good intentions, on adults in cities because homeless people in cities stand out, especially to policymakers. I was shocked, although I shouldn't be, to find out that rural students experience homelessness at the same rate as urban students. And it makes sense that of all cohorts or groups of students, homeless students perform worst in educational outcomes. Of course they do. We educators know the first, most important, and most obvious educational goal, connect kids with caring, qualified teachers. If they miss 25 or 50 or even 100 days out of 170 or 180 school days, they will fail. We know this. We all see chronic absence undermining student learning. People like Ms. Plants are doing extraordinary work to help these students. What about me? I mean, I was a homeless student who needed five years to graduate and only made it because of my champion, Harold Manther. And yet, I remember not that long ago telling myself and anyone who would listen that if the students don't care enough to complete the homework and come to school, it's not my problem. Not my problem. 
but back to the background information for now. Fortunately, the McKinney-Ventro Act of 1987 mandated free and equal access to the same level of appropriate public education for homeless students. Unfortunately, most schools don't gain access to the grants and resources due to cumbersome legislation and school workloads. Legislation and reporting processes are a major problem because numbers drive change. In 2019, HUD reported 53,692 homeless parents and children in the U.S., while in that same year, the DOE, using data gathered through the McKinney-Ventro Act and other related programs, reported 1.4 million homeless school-age children alone, not including their parents. Homelessness comes in many forms. This type of discrepancy creates easy paths toward ignorance. Unintentional, of course, but still ignorance. Counties, districts, and schools are much more likely to neglect problems they can't see. But we see them every day. We teachers see these students every day. It can be difficult to distinguish between homeless habits and bad teenage habits, like staying up too late, playing video games, or surfing social media. But if one of my new-to-the-district students regularly misses class, falls asleep, performs far below potential, and exhibits any other signs of a fractured home life, I must do something. If Mr. B, who runs our alternative SOAR program, and Mrs. P, our compassionate guidance counselor, can follow kids around, call their parents, adapt their schedules, and give more of themselves to help our neediest kids, then so can I. Ms. Shapiro finishes her article with the story of a boy named T. She uses his initial for privacy. And T sounds a lot like B to me. I, too, walked around with nowhere to go in the middle of the night because I had nowhere to sleep. I, too, wore out my welcome at friends' houses. I, too, missed far too many days to earn credits toward graduation. And I, too, felt the despair of isolation, loneliness, and inadequacy. And yet, I can clearly remember being too hard on students like T. I'm so glad that he had Sandra Plantz as a champion. I'm so grateful that I had Harold Manther, without whom I never would have graduated, joined the Navy, and gotten to college in order to become a teacher. I'm so embarrassed to tell you that I cannot really count myself in their company. I'm embarrassed to say that I have not done enough to be somebody's champion. I mean, how can I be sure he's homeless, right? How can I be sure she's not just being lazy, right? I have a lot of other work to do, right? Well, what if I could at least become a mini champion for my students who need a little more? What if we could all decide to do just a little more to look for these hidden homeless students? What if a few more teachers followed the example of Sandra Plantz and embraced what I call a success goal, the promise that I will do something to ensure my students reach some type of success that leads to some type of growth as a person and accomplishment? Why wouldn't I? My champion, Harold Manther, taught me long ago an important lesson about the difference between fairness and equality. I clearly remember complaining to him that life wasn't fair, 
that everyone should be treated equally. I don't remember the exact issue, but we were talking out of one of his workshops in the garage, and we walked out into the bright day out on the driveway, and he stopped to explain to me that equal and fair aren't the same thing. We all know that kids rarely say, life's not equal. They know that, but they still long for fairness. And although I know it's true, I'm sick of telling them life's not fair. So maybe in certain situations, I can do something about that. Maybe sometimes fairness requires unequal expectations. Maybe I should remember where I came from and everything my champion did for me before I was able to build my own extraordinary life. And maybe I can be a little more like Sandra Plantz and Harold Manther and Mr. B and Mrs. P and a little less concerned with what my students should be like. Well, no more maybes for me today. One thing I can do is help kids earn English credits wherever they are. As a certified online instructor, I offer a self-paced, flexible online class called MythLit, which allows students to recover a semester of credit by reading two young adult series that focus on Greek mythology and Norse mythology. The Percy Jackson series focuses on the Greek, and the Sea of Trolls trilogy focuses on the Norse. They also research each mythology through animated YouTube videos, which are entertaining and simple for uh, teenagers, and participate in some blog discussions. And then they write three essays, a Greek mythology essay, a Norse mythology essay, and a comparative analysis. All they need is a Google account, temporary access to the internet, and the books. If you know any kids who need to recover a semester of English credit, they can have the class for free. Tell their counselor to email me at Hanson Education Services, and we'll talk, and I'll share. It's the least I can do, considering all that's been done for me and all our homeless children must endure. I know it's a small gesture, but I don't have to save the world in order to help a student. I don't have to be their ultimate champion every day, just today. I can be a mini champion as long as I do something. If you're curious, click the courses link at the top of Hanson Education Services and read a bit more about the MythLit class. Then tell your guidance counselor or alternative ed teacher about it and make sure you let them know that they can have it for free for their students. And don't forget to come back next week to hear Stephen Jacobson's story. You don't want to miss it. He's a great example of someone who's being, at minimum, a minimum champion every day. Remember, take care of yourself, join us on Facebook, and spread the word. We are all doing great work. See you again soon.